1: Oh! Yeah.
2: everybody to the lakers legacy podcast where if you thought this particular phrase applied to the lakers when they signed lebron james three weeks ago tommy have truer words ever been spoken with regards to the lakers offseason and more specifically their most recent acquisition of super cool bees than it is lit
3: uh no truer words have not been spoken (laughs) thank you for asking
2: Yeah, who knew we were only just scratching the surface of everything that phrase meant. But Alan, we called this pretty much two episodes ago with regards to Michael Beasley. And actually, during our Emergency LeBron James podcast, when he first signed with the Lakers, you asked the question, what's the next frat boy bra type are we going to be adding here? And uh, I guess we spoke it into meme existence, didn't we?
4: We did. And what's really funny about that is I forgot that I was uh, someone who said that, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome bro.
2: well it all came around full circle and tonight we're here to just now that the lakers have fully filled out their roster with 15 guaranteed contracts we're going to take a step back look at all of it in totality and get lit but we're here to get lit with a special guest and uh here along with us tonight to join in all of the drunken revelry is none other than longtime friend of the podcast godfather of lakers twitter nation Four sourcemen of the apocalypse (laughs) at Laker Film Room, Pete Zayas himself. Pete, how you doing, buddy? And can anything, no matter how born ready or super cool, shake that grin off your face during this Summer of the King?
5: I am here to witness the litness, man. It's going to be a beautiful summer.
2: (laughs) 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 You heard it here first, everybody. Pete Zayas said litness. And uh, we are glad to have you, Pete. As usual, before we get started, though, you don't have to plug your Twitter account at this point, but you do have some exciting news with regards to a current partnership that you just sealed in the last month or so. So if you want to go ahead and yeah, plug that and what you're currently doing, please do so.
5: Oh, man, I'm working too much. I'm a... I'm a <laughs> Writing with The Athletic. I've got something uh, that I was writing before this. And as soon as we're done recording, I'll get back to it about kind of how the playmaking of LeBron, Rondo and Lonzo all fit together. So that's up for The Athletic. That's what you're referring to. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, so doing that, making vids over at Silver Screen and Roll, still doing my YouTube stuff, all of that.
2: That's awesome. And we are very grateful and thankful for it, especially as we crawl into the dog days of summer here with all of the big trades having happened and all the Lakers signings having been set in stone. Before we delve into everything, though, please follow us on Twitter, at Legacy Pod. Please also rate and interview us on iTunes, because the more you rate and interview us, that's how many times LeBron James and Michael Beasley will grace the Lakers locker room this season with some passionate shower time renditions of Back That Ass Up, a duet of two superstar <laughs> wings unlike any other. But seriously, if you enjoy our content and want to show your appreciation, please throw us a bone and back your ass up to the iTunes app and shoot us a five-star rating and review. It goes a long way in letting us know you're listening and helping us chug through some 12-hour workdays where we aim to get you guys some interesting Lakers content on top of our typical 9-5 to workdays. Also, if you'd like to contribute in a monetary way, however small, and also learn a little bit about us. You can go to patreon.com slash thelakerslegacypodcast and support us there as well. Uh, all right, Pete, we haven't gotten your take yet on this. What level cool are you on uh, Super Cool Bees? Are you super cool with Super Cool Bees? Are you mildly cool, lukewarm cool? Or is it super fool with you and Michael Beasley? I,
5: I, I'm lukewarm cool with, with, bee, with Bees. And first off, you're really good at this, man. You've gotten really damn good at the whole hosting thing. <laughs> oh, thank um, you. And as, as for Beasley, man... I don't know. Maybe my expectations are too low. But when you're talking about like the last guy that you can sign to a guaranteed contract, am I really going to complain too much about that? Like for me, those are the types of guys you want them to be good at one or two things. If they were good at a whole bunch of stuff, they wouldn't be available on the market for that price at that point. Right. So having a guy who can get buckets, they got all these playmakers. I was talking a moment ago about Rondo, Lonzo, LeBron and all that. Someone's going to have to finish those passes. Right. So having a guy like Beasley, some depth like that, a guy that can score. I'm totally cool with it.
2: Cool, and you know, it can't be understated that Beasley actually chose the Lakers over the Thunder, so there was actually competition for him. Uh, Last season, Michael Beasley averaged 13.2 points, 5.6 rebounds, 1.7 assists on 51% shooting, 39% from three, only making half a three a game. But he did all of this in 22 minutes, and if you look at his split stats for the 30 games that he did start, he averaged 16 points, 6.4 rebounds, 2.3 assists on 51% shooting, and a ridiculous 47% shooting from three. 0.7 a game. With those stats in front of you and also kind of looking at his uh highlights last year, Tommy, what are your thoughts on the the Michael Beasley signing and does it make a little more sense to you than even the Lance Stevenson signing?
3: Uh my, my thoughts are kind of very similar to Pete's actually. I I didn't really understand the I didn't understand the signing to to begin with. But then I also didn't really understand the aftermath or like, you know, the reaction to it. It's like Pete said, we're signing a fifteenth man. Um even if he is not a 15th man, even if he's in the 11 to 15 range, your 11 to 14 range, like this is a guy who theoretically is like has not been guaranteed any minutes, theoretically has not been guaranteed any minutes in the rotation um you know might just play, you know, in blowouts or if somebody gets hurt and when you're thinking about guys like that you know, we filled out the roster the last few years with guys like Travis Ware to take that position. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. when you're looking at it from that perspective, I I don't really see any problems with it. I guess I'm just, um, I'm a little bit concerned about the locker room stuff, but maybe all that stuff is overblown. I don't know. You know, so that that part concerns me a little bit. Uh, But based on what I've seen from Beasley, I'm going to be honest with you, when we signed him I thought this guy was, like, bouncing around the league, which he has been, but I thought he was not playing. He hasn't been doing anything for years. I did not even realize, because this is how irrelevant the Knicks are, but I didn't even realize this guy played 74 games last year, played 22 minutes a game. And actually, I know the Knicks were, you know, uh, they didn't do anything last year, but Beasley played really well individually, and I think that's pretty interesting. And I don't know if he'll crack the rotation here, because I just can't see... Where he fits, um, unless somebody gets hurt. But uh, overall, I'm, I'm, cu- if they think they can manage the personality, that's the only uh, wild card for me. And otherwise, I'm, I'm pretty cool with it.
2: Yeah, you know, talent has never been a question with Michael Beasley. It's always been more his his want and will to become a better player his work ethic and all of the other side stuff including litness before it was legal in california um but alan yeah what are your thoughts on this on this michael beasley signing and are you excited to bring in a guy who on any given night can really hit for you and pop
4: yeah, I mean, if, if his role is defined as anything, it's to be that microwave type player who could potentially go off and, um, you know, just be someone who can score instantly for some spot minutes here and there. Uh, you know, we all know that he's a uh, works in the mid range for the most part. Uh, if you look at his field goal percentage by distance, zero to three feet last year, uh, he averaged sixty-seven point five percent. 3 to 10 feet, 46.3%, 10 to 16 feet, 42.8%. So if you need him to ISO, if there are guys out there who um, you know are struggling, can't be making plays for themselves and score, he's a guy that you could throw it to. But just like everybody said so far, he's he's sitting at the end of the bench anyway. And any minutes he gets at all are probably going to be uh, you know pretty sparse. So yeah, like Tommy said, personality-wise, Thankfully, you know, he's played with LeBron, he knows him, in several interviews he said that he goes way back with several guys on the team, so from a relationship point of view, the fact that uh, he has history with some of the guys you know, should be helpful, and uh, no matter what, it's it's it'll be fun to watch, it'll be exciting.
2: Yeah, Pete, I don't know how much of Michael Beasley you got to watch last year, or how much you've delved into him recently, or if you're even planning to do a how Michael Beasley helps the Lakers off the bench, but... How do you see his game meshing with the Lakers? What do you think was in the front office's mind when they signed him with this final roster slot? And let's say he is playing about 15 minutes a game. How do you see his role shaking out with this current group? So I have delved into the tape a little bit. I'll
5: have a video out for Silver Screen and Roll in a couple days, probably Ah, on Wednesday. Um, He's a guy, like I said earlier, they've got all of these playmakers and somebody needs to finish those. If you put Michael Beasley in a position to score, he's probably going to score more often than most guys in the league do. I don't think the Lakers are going to run a whole lot of set plays next year. I think they're the idea, one of the things that really surprise me from watching the rondo tape because i've always had the idea of rondo in 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 my head at least and i think that was the case in previous years as being this kind of like deliberate ball dominant pound the hell out of the basketball and then distribute Mm -hmm, to the guy that gets open right He was really instrumental in New Orleans leading the league in pace last year. And he was very similar to just how he played last year, not before that, in terms of like those hit-aheads, making cross-court passes, making, you know, great outlet passes, but he was really fast-paced. And so I think the Lakers are trying to get like 48 minutes of hell type thing. And within that, they're trying to run as few set plays as possible. When they do, I think it's kind of like a world revolving around LeBron. But as far as Beasley goes, he can be one of those guys, too, because... The things Lakers are we had this idea that Luke was going to be this motion offense coach and they were going to be like Golden State Lakers were 24th in the league in passes per game last year they don't really mm-hmm. pass the ball they don't really move bodies as much as we thought they would now part of that's having young guys that don't set good screens don't use screens well all of that but even then there are other teams that are young that have been able to implement that it just hasn't been the reality of what's happened so what's the alternative to that get guys who can create something out of nothing that's easy. Either a guy like Rondo who can do that via, via pass or guys like LeBron on the really high end level or a guy like Beasley off of the bench who can do that as a score. So as an isolation guy, he was with he was in, I think, the 65th percentile by the synergy numbers. He's a guy that if there's 10 seconds left on the clock, the first part of the play didn't work, you say, ah, crap, what do we do? Give the ball to Beas. Let's see if he can get a bucket. I think that's his role in about, like you said, if he's in that 10, 15 minute per game range, I think he's doing that off of the bench.
2: Now, do you think he'll play small ball five in some units? And do you think that he's sort of a Kyle Kuzma buffer and insurance policy, even if Kyle Kuzma is healthy the entire season? Do you think he's also there to maybe light Kyle Kuzma's ass on fire or light his butt to stay motivated? Because in my opinion right now, I mean, they're kind of similar players, right, in terms of their offensive versatility and, I guess, lack of defense as well. I mean... I
5: don't think Beasley's in the rotation to start out. I think they, okay. I think he was. I, Tommy brought up like we were having guys like Travis Ware and all these cats. Lakers had twenty four guys sued up for a game last year. You're talking Nigel Hayes and Derek Derek Williams. Remember that guys are going to get hurt throughout the year. Mm, Vaguely, Way, <laughs> right, right, exactly, right. Way better to have Michael Beasley is oh you know kuz is out for a couple of games or you know say lebron wants to rest on the second night of a back whatever it is like way better to have beasley out there who's a legit nba player than anything and i, I think we may be uh more concerned about the implications of beasley than what it actually means i sure. they love I, I know this for a fact from being around the facility from talking to people with the lakers they love kyle kuzma they love everything that he's about even Put aside like his quality as a player, which he obviously had a great rookie season, they love his work ethic. They love the time that he puts in. So I think that he is probably the last guy that they feel the need to light, light a fire under his ass. Mm-hmm. I, I just think he's another guy that's an NBA caliber player that was probably, at that point, one of the better options available on the market. And I don't think it's more complicated.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. But you know who is going to light a fire under his own ass? It's Michael Beasley. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Before we get back into the larger narratives of the Lakers roster, I did want to touch upon the Kawhi Leonard trade to the Raptors really quickly. Tommy, what are your thoughts on Kawhi going to the Raptors? Do you think this helps out the Lakers? The fact that he's going to a place that not a lot of free agents have even batted an eye to, and really the only guy who did, they shipped off unceremoniously into Mar DeRozan. And Do you think the Lakers were wrong to not go all in? Obviously, we heard the reports that said the Spurs were looking for some ungodly amount of assets from the Lakers. And so taking that into account, do you think the Lakers were wise to not go all in 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 this respect?
3: I think the Lakers were definitely wise to not go all in, just given the current roster construction and given what the Spurs were asking. Um... I think it's, it's interesting because people keep talking about Kawhi about how it's, he's a hundred percent not going to stay. I don't know what I lean at this point, especially after what happened with Paul George last year. Um, Toronto is going to be able to offer him the most money next year. I think that's going to be a factor. Kawhi is kind of an under the radar star. He can do that in Toronto. Um, I feel like there's been a lot of noise, you know, coming out of his camp and he hasn't really said anything. And I I don't know. I, I guess what I'm getting at is like, I'm not going to assume he's not going to stay there. There's a history of guys going to Toronto and actually being like, okay, you know what? This isn't, this isn't really bad. Um, Toronto is one of the best cities in Canada and there's plenty to do. And I'm you know, DeMar DeRozan loved his time there. He had an opportunity to protect, I can't even remember the details of, of, I'm pretty sure we had cap space when he was a free agent because we've had cap space like the last four years in a row, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't even entertaining really the idea of leaving there. Um, And so I think, you know, one year is a long time. Kawhi's going to be there with a new coach. Um, He's going to be able to like form that relationship at the ground level. And I would not be shocked if he stayed. All that being said, though, I don't think that's like mutually exclusive from saying the Lakers should not have traded for him. I think Ramona or maybe other people were on the radio talking about how the Spurs were asking for, I think the wildest one I heard was three of the young guys plus three first round draft picks (laughs) unprotected, which is obviously laughable, right? But even like a smaller subsection, let's just say two of the young guys and two unprotected first round picks. If those two young guys are Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma and two future draft picks, You know, Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James, especially Kawhi Leonard who hasn't played for a year and nobody's seen really, uh, it's just so – to me, so big of a risk. And even if Kawhi comes back at like 80% of what he was, you know, the season before he got hurt, I don't know that LeBron James and 80% Kawhi with like no depth and no future flexibility – except for the ability to maybe sign, like, another free agent next year. It's just, like, you know, relatively limited flexibility. I, I don't know that you're a guarantee... You're by no means a guarantee to beat the Warriors. So I guess from that perspective, it's like, okay, why not have... You know, it's like we've, we've talked about on many of the episodes. Why not have the best of both worlds? Why not get LeBron now, who's so good that with the team as currently constructed, we'll still probably... I mean, we have to see how things play out, but we'll still probably be a really good team. And keep that flexibility to see which of the other eight max free agents, you know, next summer are going to be willing to sign with us and give these young guys a chance to show who they really are uh, around LeBron.
2: Yeah. Alan, what are your thoughts on the Kawhi trade? And do you get some PTSD from what we just experienced with the Paul George thing? And because of that, are you kind of just not being as microscopic in terms of viewing what's going on in Toronto the entire season as as diligently as we did with Paul George. And yeah, I guess, how are you feeling overall about things? And are you of the mindset that, hey, if Kawhi comes next summer, great, but well, there's other free agents out there. And at, at the very least, he is going to uh, a city and an organization that is having some loyalty issues right now in terms of public perception of them.
4: Yeah, uh, I'm definitely not as attached to the idea of him you know, almost 100% coming here. Like we basically were with Paul George. I mean, a month and a half ago, we were laughing almost hysterically about those sports center things. (laughs) Like it's so obvious that he's coming here. So, uh, yeah, definitely going to learn from that mistake and, uh, taper expectations accordingly. But the other thing is, I mean, they're from what we can tell, like we don't know them, but I think we have a good idea of their personalities and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are not just apples and oranges, right? They're like, apples and asparagus or something. They're completely different. So when it comes to Kauai um, getting attached to the city of Toronto and things like that, I mean, I've never been to Toronto, so like I can only speak to what other people have said. Like Tommy mentioned, it is like a really great city. I I wonder how much Kauai cares about things like that. Um, Granted, he wants to come back to L.A. for various reasons. So a year is a long time, like Tommy said, and I also... Would not be surprised if he decided to stay there again. Could that be the Paul George experience? Speaking, I would say definitely yes, that's had an influence on it. At the same time, Kawhi is like seems like a pretty unpredictable person, so um, I would expect the unexpected more than anything else with him, I suppose. And um, you know, as far as how disappointed I would be if he were to stay, I don't know, I mean, maybe something there's something to be said about him being in the east if he were to stay in toronto like i'd, I'd be more okay with that because it doesn't muck things up out here in the west as much um it creates to use everyone's favorite word a little bit more parody out there um so yeah i it would be great to have him with without a doubt but uh not as not as committed <laughs> you know to it happening as i've been in the past
2: Yeah, more on apples and asparagus later. But Pete, (laughs) what's your confidence level of the Lakers getting Kawhi Leonard at this point? And from your vantage point, what do you think of the Spurs' return for Kawhi? I know people have differing opinions on Demar Derozan, and obviously San Antonio probably had different priorities for what they wanted in return. I guess in that context, maybe they made out the way that they wanted to make out. What are your thoughts on the whole situation?
5: So as far as Kawhi coming to the Lakers, um, I I think that both everyone's right regarding the. Being cautiously optimistic, but not being as all in as we were with Paul George, like, oh, you know, Mm -hmm. it's ridiculous. Who would want to stay in OKC? Right. Well, that's exactly what ended up happening. And um, that said, one of the things that's been noteworthy and part of this is informed by my experience last year, like being around these guys as people is kind of like if you can learn the people you kind of understand their decision making a little bit better both on the court and off of it. Mm -hmm. One of the things that really stood out to me about the Kawhi situation is he drew a line in the sand and of all of the bluster and all of the noise and all of that he never moved off of it. He told the Spurs in no uncertain terms I am not coming back to play for you and then they tried like oh well we're going to clear you. We're going to have our doctors. We're going to put pressure on you through the media through our players doing it they tried everything and then Kawhi never moved off of his perspective. You know what I mean? So that's notable to me that if he, Woj came out today saying that, you know, maybe something happens in Toronto and maybe it does, right? All all the things that, that the guy said are are absolutely right. But, you know, he has his mind made up that he's coming to LA, which could mean the Clippers too. Right. Um, But, and to me, that's a guy that didn't move off of the line. So I think that's worth noting as far as, As far as it goes with the return that San Antonio got, like you said, they have really different priorities than almost always when we see trades like this happen. The return is what? Players, young players and picks. But that's not the position that San Antonio is in. It looks to me like that's a coach that there have been reports of him walking away in 2020. Like That's a guy that's not trying to raise a kid right? just so Mm -hmm. that by the time he becomes a decent player he's retired. The coach is retiring. Popovich is retiring. He's looking for a guy who can be a quality player right now. And in terms of like who the best player is, available right now was that was available in those trade talks it was probably DeRozan I think it's a short-sighted term a short-sighted way to run the franchise but that's what they that's the direction they chose to go so they're probably better than they were last year just because I mean Kawhi didn't play so they kind of got DeRozan for for free relative to the roster although they lose Parker Uh, I I don't and, and Danny Green I don't know if they I, I think they got more back than they had going out this summer, so but long term I, I don't see them really making a whole lot of noise on the upper levels of, of the conference.
2: Right. And to get back to your point about Kawhi Leonard being a little more forceful and adamant about all of this, not to read into the tea leaves t- too deeply, but I also think unlike Paul George, Kawhi Leonard I don't I think he's a very He's kind of like a recluse. He doesn't make that many friends. I don't think him and Kyle Lowry are necessarily going to be BFFs the way that Paul George and Russell Westbrook became throughout the season, especially if you're considering Kyle Lowry's perspective on things with regards to seeing his best friend shipped out in such a nasty and dirty way, the way that DeMar DeRozan did. And uh, if you're thinking that will sort of keep tensions high in the Raptors locker room and, and prevent Lowry and Kawhi Leonard from ever really establishing that bond, then maybe that's a that's a checkmark for the Lakers. And then on top of it, you know, none of us know who Kawhi Leonard is. He's the most mysterious superstar in the NBA. Uh, With Paul George, we always knew, well, this guy's a people pleaser. He's easily swayed. And if you get him in a room with somebody, he's probably going to, you know, side with that guy at the end of the day. And I don't want to play armchair psychologist, but that's the perception we've gotten from him. And the fact that he didn't even sit have a sit down meeting with Palinka and Magic. Johnson only lends itself to that conspiracy theory. I'm sure Mintz was like, nope, don't even do the meeting because we don't. We have no idea what you're going to be feeling when you come out of it. But anyways, I think Kawhi Leonard is, is less so that type of player to be influenced in that way. But again, we don't know what will happen this this year with Toronto. Anything could happen. And, and yeah, maybe Kawhi Leonard is more suited for a bigger, smaller market in that sense. Okay, with the Kawhi stuff out of the way, I wanted to get into... Some of the interesting and unique narratives that are surrounding the Lakers this season, especially with LeBron James coming into the fray here. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season,
4: and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line, so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com
2: today. Um, first off, now that we have the roster set at 15 guaranteed players, Tommy, I wanted to ask you, what exactly is this team? Can you make any better sense of it now that it's been fully constructed and we've done that, you know, mind gymnastics thing of rationalizing all the signings and trying to have it make sense in our minds? Why Lance, JaVale, Beasley, especially with the way that the NBA media and NBA Twitter has kind of panned all of these signings, including us, actually, each and every one of these signings, whenever they've been officialized, we've all rolled our eyes and been very ironic about all of these signings, less so excited. Like you guys mentioned, I think too much emphasis has been placed on guys, you know, number nine through 12 and guys who, if everything shakes out correctly with the youth, will only be getting around 10 to 15 minutes a night and be supplanting former backups in Tyler Ennis, Corey Brewer, and Travis Ware. In my opinion, most of these guys are fringe guys. The problem, like Tommy stated, is probably all, all the concern I think lies in the locker room. They're all very volatile, they're all erratic, they've bounced around a lot of times because of this, but I think with regards to all of these guys, at one point in time in their career, their talent was undeniable. So Tommy, what are your thoughts on this collection of hit-or-miss guys? And, and I say hit-or-miss in the strongest sense of the term. And That includes Rondo. I think context, situation, and, and environment play so heavily into the success of these guys and how much they'll end up contributing to the Lakers. I think as we've seen in his career, Rondo in the wrong context will will display the spats that he had with Rick Carlisle and be relegated to the bench forever and leave that sour taste in your locker room. But Rondo in the right context, and I'm not even talking about his championship days with the Boston Celtics, in the right context, he's leading the charge of a young Pelicans team with as little shooting or worse than the Lakers do now and taking them to a competitive second round bout with the Warriors. So now that you've seen the roster in totality, what do you make of the, uh, the old renegade hitmen of Rondo, Beasley, Lance Stevenson, and JaVale McGee, and the juxtaposition of that with the young core and the young guys?
3: I think what we've done is is different, and I think we it's really going to be a matter of waiting until the season starts to play out to see whether it's a good different or a bad different. Um, a lot of these signings are interesting because people like, you know, especially the casual fan, right, which none of us, obviously none of us really are, um, the casual fan might see the Michael Beasley signing, Lance Stevenson signing. Okay, these are like core integral pieces of the Lakers' rotation, and I just don't know necessarily that that's true, even for a guy like Lance Stevenson. Like, I do I think that Lance Stevenson's going to play this year? Yeah, I think he's probably going to be a rotation piece. But our roster has so much versatility that if Lance starts to not really perform, you know, there's a number of guys we could start slotting in there. You know, LeBron could play some three, and then that'll, you know, free up more minutes for. Uh, Beasley at the four, if Beasley's performing at at the deep backup four spot, you know, um, we could go to three guard lineups. If Josh Hart and KCP are both playing really well, both of those guys played in three, uh, three guard lineups with us last year uh, when we had Lonzo and IT out there together. So there's just so many different ways things could work out here. It's, it's very weird because I can't just sit here and be like, okay, Brandon Ingram's going to play 32, 33 minutes. That means Lance is going to play 15. Okay, LeBron's going to play this many minutes at the four, so Kuzma's going to get this many. You know, Lonzo's going to play this many minutes. Rondo's going to get this many. It's like, it's weird because there's going to be a lot of overlap. Um Luke's been talking for the last two full seasons about positionless basketball, and whether or not that's going to work is 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 one thing, but clearly, you know, that's what they've done here. Um, I'm very intrigued by the roster. I am actually in the camp. And of course, this is me with my Laker Homer glasses. Uh, but I'm not like this every year, but I, am pretty optimistic about, about what's going to happen this year. I think we didn't make the typical LeBron James signings. And I think that's what confused a lot of people. Um, Rondo's not a shooter or a consistent shooter. Lance is not, you know, a consistent shooter, Javale McGee is obviously not a stretch big man. Like these signings are somewhat atypical for LeBron James teams, um, and that's added to a roster of guys like Lonzo and you know other some other guys we had that weren't super consist, consistent shooters last year. But it's like Pete said at the beginning. Um, I kind of agree. I don't really think we're going to be running a lot of plays, and if you when you view it from that lens, we have a lot of guys who can grab the ball and just sprint and it doesn't, you know, it's not like, not to call out Brooke Lopez specifically, but he was on our team last year, so it just, you know, I watched all the games, so it comes to mind. But Brooke Lopez, you know, sometimes you catch the ball. Okay, I'm turning, I'm turning. I'm trying to see, like, is there somebody I could pass it to? Besides JaVale McGee, who even he sometimes takes the rebound and kind of runs with it a little bit, you know, it's like there's not going to be a whole lot of wasted movement um, in, the, in the transition from defense to offense this year. And if this plan works, we are going to be an extremely, extremely potent offensive team and guys are going to be so worn out chasing us up and down the floor that, you know, maybe that helps us defensively. And, you know, defensively, I actually think in the starting lineup, at least we're not so bad. Like BI has defensive potential and hopefully if he got a little bit stronger, he'll look a little bit better there. KCP for, you know, what he lacks, he, at least he, he brings the effort every night. Lonzo Ball was one of the best point guard defenders in the NBA last year. Javale McGee, I think, is an upgrade from Brooke defensively. Um, and LeBron, it's kind of tricky because it's a matter of whether we think he's going to try or you know not really try. So that one's kind of hard to predict. But I actually think we have a really we've constructed a really really interesting roster. We have tough guys. One thing I think we also forget, uh, and when I say we, I mean Laker fans casually like kind of forget sometimes is. This is an NBA 2K, you know, we're not just throwing this group of guys out there and it's like let's simulate through the whole season. It's Lonzo Ball's going to have maybe he's he he missed like 20 plus, you know, what, 28 games or 30 games last year. Like he's going to have a stretch of games probably this year where he misses some time. Uh Brandon Ingram missed a bunch of time last year. Maybe he has those stretches again. Like LeBron James, I think we're going to manage his minutes a lot more than they've been managed the last four years. Maybe he has games where he just straight sits out. And in the Western Conference, you kind of need to win every game. You know what I mean? Like, every game really matters, even over the course of an 82-game season. Um, and so that's why it's super important, I think, to have to have these uh, vets in uh, positions of depth. So, you know, a guy like Travis... It's funny that we keep talking about Travis Ware, but Travis Ware, because he was on the team last year. A guy like Travis Ware, he doesn't play for 10 games, and then you throw him in as, like, a starter. Let's just say, hypothetically, this happens, right? I don't know that that's going to go so well. Michael Beasley is a professional; he's been in the NBA for ten years. He maybe he doesn't play for ten games. You throw him out. You kind of know you're going to still get some offense out of him, you know. And and those types of things maybe seem stupid and small, but I, I feel like those types of things and that depth is going to sustain us through the season. Um, and I'm really excited about uh, the energy that these one year contract guys are going to bring because all of them are you know they're going to be eyeing long term deals next summer. And the excitement that all of our young guys are going to bring because, you know, especially if you follow Josh Hart, Zubats, Kyle Kuzma, like these types of guys on Twitter, they kind of feel like they have a lot to prove because everybody thinks that they should have all been shipped out. Everybody thinks that these new signings are going to completely replace them. And so they're going to have some sort of like, you know, there's going to be some sort of energy there for them trying to prove themselves. And and they're not proving themselves against, you know, D-League invites anymore. You know, guys who got called up from the D-League. They're trying to prove themselves against Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, Beasley, like guys who have been around the league and and actually have a lot of skill. So I'm I'm pretty excited about
2: it. Yeah, Alan, what do what do you think about the uh, the quote unquote the meme team, Suicide Squad, the Expendables, Lost Boys, et cetera, et cetera? And how do you weigh the potential risks of having some interesting locker room situations to say the least? And like I said earlier, each one of these guys are very hit or miss, but when they hit, their ceiling is really high, you know? And you can, you just kind of got to temper all of that perceived craziness that they've held on to up until this point in their career.
4: Well, I think when you look at the guys we signed, a lot of them are winners, right? JaVale McGee has won two rings. Rondo has won a ring. Lance Stevenson has a lot of playoff experience. Um, you know, Beasley, when he was in Miami, at least, you know, he was around a winning culture. So I think there is a lot to be said about while they may have reputations of being volatile and they've exploded and things like that in the past they all do know what it's like to win um and in some cases winning NBA championships so and Rob Polinka even said that during uh his press conference when he was just talking about all the various signings is how many champions we have on this team now so I don't think that can be forgotten, and. I I believe that that would really translate to a locker room like the Lakers, where we all know that Luke is very good at managing personalities. He understands people. It isn't just about X's and O's and tactics and things like that. So I'm fairly confident that he would, if there were any issues whatsoever, he'd be able to mediate those problems along with obviously a guy like LeBron, who has a very unique leadership style where he likes to connect with guys on a very human level as well. So, um, And then if you look at our rookies, or not our rookies anymore, but all of our young guys, they're all pretty darn easygoing, you know? And I, I do like kind of the yin and yang of <laughs> our super laid back guys from last year and Magic has said as much that they weren't vocal. They didn't really speak very much. If anything, Kuzma is one of the more vocal dudes. I think we can all see Josh Hart becoming and developing one of those guys as well. But having that influence from these these old heads you know who are all known for talking a lot um i'm very interested to see how they will rub off on them and then you know we've obviously talked about we're talking about the new guys as far as who we've signed as free agents but like mo Wagner, he's a very vocal person too so there's a pretty clear direction that it seems like the front office has wanted to take from a basketball point of view like tommy touched on with regards to and and what pete said also about 48 minutes of hell and also from a personality standpoint um they're all extremely outspoken, and they're not going to be around forever right like who who, knew, who knows how many of these guys will literally only be here for one year? It very well could be all of them so this one year is extremely important for our young guys to continue to develop new skills, whether that's on the court or with regards to their leadership and i'm act I would say i'm I'm pretty confident that those things will happen mainly because our culture has changed so much over the last two years from the bottom of the organization, all the way to the top.
2: Pete, what are your thoughts on that dynamic? And also, secondly, we all know at this point LeBron James co-signed in all of these deals. And in fact, with Lance Stevenson, Lance Stevenson got a better offer from Pritchard, but it was LeBron James' phone call to him that sealed the deal. So yeah, what are your thoughts on the yin and yang of young and old? And also, what do you think was going on in LeBron James' head here?
5: So let's start off with the the idea of them being possibly difficult locker room guys, I think it's important to contextualize how they could be difficult. I don't think any of the guys are the type of guys where you sign them. And then like the guys in the locker room are like, man, I hate that dude, like secretly Mm -hmm. to themselves or even out loud. Right? Like I can't stand being around that guy. I think all of them have a certain chippiness to them. And what, Makes me a little bit concerned is if there's, I think playing time is a really delicate balance here. Um, so Luke likes to play 10 guys, and that's I that's Luke's ideal regular season rotation is have a first unit, have a second unit, have them blended for a little bit, but 10 guys being the rotation. So let's say the starters are Lonzo, KCP, Brandon, LeBron, and Javelle, then that leaves your benches probably like Rondo Hart stevenson coos and let's say he wants to have at least a big body so it's let's say zubats to start out with ahead of mo so that leaves the rest of the guys being the the rookies spee mo and and bonga dang who we know is not going to play and then beasley Beasley's probably the only guy amongst them that feels like I'm an NBA player, right? I mean, all of them probably feel that mm-hmm. to some extent, right? But but has like an argument, like you can tell a rookie to kind of wait their turn, although I love me some speed and I would love for him to play. <laughs> I, I don't expect that to happen. So let's just put those guys to the side right now. Beasley's probably the only guy where he might be the guy who feels like he should really be playing right now, but is left out in the cold. The problem for me, and I don't even don't even know it's a problem because freaking Tyler Annis was a backup point guard last year. Just let's narrow the, the potential problem to just the point guard position. You've got 48 minutes there. You've got Lonzo Ball and Rajon Rondo. And let's just say for argument's sake, we won't see Brandon there, even though I'd love to see him there. It's just going to be those two guys between the 48 minutes. So you either have, say, Lonzo Ball, your presumptive starter at, say, 30 or 32 minutes a game. What does that mean that Rondo's playing sixteen to eighteen minutes a night? Is that gonna be a problem? Because that would be the mm-hmm. fewest minutes he's ever played in his career, I believe. And can they play together? But if they play together, are you then pushing Josh Hart out of the rotation a little bit more? Does I I loved what I saw out of out of Josh over the course of summer league Is he just a strict shooting guard backup playing 20 minutes a night? Should he be a 26 to 28 minute per night guy? To me, there's a really delicate balance here. And you can do that all the way, you know, one through five. Kyle Kuzma was great last year, and he's put in a ton of work, like I said, and they love everything that he's done this summer. What, he's strictly LeBron James's backup? So what, he's playing 18 minutes a night? That's not going to work, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, you've got... Uh, there's potential if Luke doesn't do this just right to have guys who are not not bad guys, but are like, "Yo, I deserve to be playing more than I am," and they could very well be right. And then when you mix that with kind of the strong personalities versus the quieter young guys, I think there's some combustible potential there. I don't know if sure. that's going to be the case, but that's just the one thing that's kind of nagging at the back of my mind. As for LeBron, you know, him signing off on all of these deals and whatnot, like. I, I think that, you know, he's been in, in the loop. He's been consulted and all of that. And and to me, most of them I'm happy with. Lance is the one that I'm like, eh, I'm not really like t- to me, like I'd rather have Hart playing both the backup shooting guard role or even challenging KCP for the starting spot. Although I think you mean KCP, the call that
2: LeBron made. Right.
5: And yeah, so the call that Le- LeBron made to Lance, right. That's the thing, right, is then you start getting a little bit more complicated. So how does Josh feel if he plays 12 minutes one night? He probably feels like he's beyond that. He's probably right too, and so that Lance is the one guy that I think I keep going back to. And maybe it's just because I didn't like the signing, so I'm trying to find reasons mm-hmm. to where like this is a terrible idea. But like for me, I would have I would have loved to have Brooke back. I would have loved to have Julius back. Uh, Rondo, I, I was like, okay, you know, after watching some tape on Rondo, and like I get it, you know, with as much as Lonzo was hurt and having Ennis as the backup, that, that makes sense to me. So maybe this is just me going back to that. But for me, Lance is the only one where I go like. Uh, yeah, that's that's the one place where kind of LeBron's GMing is a little bit problematic, <laughs> you know?
2: No, yeah, for sure. I think it's fair to say that we all sort of line up in that same position as well with regards to Lance Stevenson. To cap off this talk on the uh, the team as a whole, you know, I know a lot of people have been comparing this team to if we're, if we're using a, a movie analogy or metaphor to Suicide Squad. But let me know what, what you guys think of this. I think if we had to describe this team as currently constituted in terms of a movie, this team is X-Men Days of Future Past with LeBron James as Wolverine with his adamantium bones withstanding the test of time and pounding, bridging the gap between the older, grizzled vets and helping the younger protégés take center stage. Because in X-Men Days of Future Past, the oldies do not have center stage. Storm, Cyclops, the older older versions of them, they get like 20 minutes. And if everything shakes out right for the Lakers, Jennifer Lawrence, the guy who plays Quicksilver, the guy who plays Younger Beast, those guys should be taking much of the, the screen time. So that's Lonzo, B.I., Kuz, heart. But like Pete said... It's a delicate situation. It's it's something to monitor with regards to how these guys' dispositions are regarding their minutes on a you know night to night basis throughout the season. So, does anybody have any thoughts on my really cool movie analogy?
4: I'm very proud of you for coming up with that. I really like it.
3: I want them to uh, bench everybody and just start Jennifer Lawrence on that. That'd be good, good with I'm me. I'm down. I'm down for that. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Pete, did
2: you watch X Men: Days of Future Past?
5: So I have a bit of an embarrassing confession. I, if there's a superhero movie, I probably have not seen it. Uh, you <gasps> would be staggered, but the like my my girlfriend. So my girlfriend's into all of this, right? And and mm-hmm. and like Agents of Shield, the TV show, and all of that. Like I'm cut chopping up footage, and she's like four seasons deep or whatever and she tried to get me to watch thor ragnarok which is from what i understand is like one of the better ones that she was like you'll like this one and i was asleep probably 20 minutes into it and like i was tired that day but it just like whatever it is about superhero movies that appeal to everybody else i'm just missing that gene or whatever like so i i'm embarrassed to say I, i've seen almost none of the i've never seen an iron man movie i've never seen mm. uh i haven't seen any of the spider-man movies i haven't yeah none of the marvel none of that i I think i saw guardians of the galaxy but it was with her and we were just first starting to date so i was trying to impress her
2: act like i gave a crap about that stuff but yeah it's just not on my radar man it's not in your gene gray but i bet you don't even understand that reference (laughs) that's (laughs) that's, uh, what's her name yeah yeah Hey, but Pete, I would advise you, watch X-Men Days of Future Past and then cut some of that footage up into your basketball videos the way Phil Jackson used to do to motivate his players, and I think you'll understand. Okay, so the last portion of the show, I wanted to talk about hashtag narratives, hashtag Lakers exceptionalism, and all the ways this LeBron James to the Lakers move has just thrown the entire league into a tizzy. And some of it, the reaction to it, honestly, it's very predictable. But it's also... Amusing and hilarious to see the ways that people are kind of moving the goalposts with regards to their opinions on LeBron James, their opinions of the Lakers, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So, Pete, we've mentioned it earlier, you know, talking about why are we haggling over guys who are roster slots number 9 through 13. But what are your thoughts on the criticism the front office has received thus far filling out the rest of this roster? The, the thing that people often say, and, and some, something we've been kind of prone to earlier on before we really sat sat down and thought about these signings is, quote-unquote, they could have signed this guy instead argument. And in my opinion, you know, there's always two sides to any negotiation. And especially with regards to the Lakers' unique context of really wanting to give hand the keys to the young guys this season. I feel like too often we act like we know exactly what went down in all these talks with all of these other free agents. And one thing that doesn't get stated enough is that the Lakers, you know, outside of standing firm and only offering up these one-year deals, they also couldn't promise any of these free agents a solidified role of at least 15 minutes per game. And when you couple that together, it becomes less enticing for all of these one-year free agents, regardless of the fact that so many guys are are signing these one-year deals, and regardless of how fun it would be to play with LeBron, a large portion of these guys are also fighting to prove themselves. And so you're kind of getting the bottom of the barrel with regards to which one-year free agents are going to sign with you when you don't give them a commitment of at least 15 minutes per game. You know, the Lakers did meet with New Noel. They met with Tyreek Evans. They even offered Mario Hazonia a contract. And that's a signing that I think, you know, all of Lakers Twitter would be like, oh my God, Mario Hazonia, European Kobe, we did it. But those guys probably did not see the merit in signing on with a Lakers team where they wouldn't be promised, you know, 15 minutes a game, and they'd have to go up against Josh Hart, Cal Kuzma, all of these young guys. So yeah, what are your thoughts on the criticism the front office has received in that respect? So
5: the combination of factors of it, for one, being the Lakers, and for two, being all of these guys who kind of have these reputations around them, Beasley, JaVale, Lance, Rondo they weren't like like if you sign Wayne Ellington no one cares right and Wayne Ellington's a good player right but he's got no like there's no extra there's no extra narrative that comes along with Wayne Ellington the way that it does with those guys so the combination of it being those types of guys and being the Lakers and the lakers ruining childhoods across the land for the better part of several decades is going to make sure. nba twitter completely freaking sufferable in, insufferable this year oh, on yes, anything that has to do with the lakers like on, on on any of the signings and would i have signed lance stevenson no lance stevenson signing a 1 year 4 million dollar contract or whatever the hell it was who really freaking care is it really that big of a deal like do we have to do we have to act like it's this like the end of the world like they got lebron and then like the next day the next day we have people calling magic johnson an idiot the day after we signed lebron james and and sorry this this gives me fired up like it's this and it's going to be like that the late for there's a good chance as many newly constructed teams are, as happens with many newly constructed teams, that the Lakers take a little bit of time to figure things out. Can you imagine if the Lakers are like 500 after two weeks? Good Lord. Oof. You know what that's going to be like, right? And yep. so for me, like I roll my eyes out. it. The Lakers signed the best player in the world. A 35-win team signed the best player in the world and has cap space to sign another Max guy the following summer along with a bunch of kids, some of which who can't even legally drink yet, and you're supposed to tell me I'm supposed to feel bad about what this team did this summer? Are you freaking kidding me? Like, like <laughs> your team, whoever it is you're rooting for, all these freaking Cavs fans on Twitter talking about, like, oh, this and that you're punching a year of LeBron. Get the freaking hell out of here. You watched him drop 51 <laughs> in an NBA Finals game yesterday, and now he's, like, his face is melting off like it's Raiders of the Lost Heart. Get the freaking hell out of here. Like, your <laughs> team wishes you were in the position that, you wish your team was in the position the Lakers are in right now. Anyway, that's my rant.
2: And maybe all this can be simply stated and and resolved with the fact that, look, fans of other teams, especially teams like you said, who have been hurt by the Lakers over the years, over the past few decades, they're just naturally going to contextualize things for the worst possible outcome for the Lakers. We're going to contextualize things for many sort of outcomes, mostly positive, but we'll at least keep our expectations a little bit leveled in terms of here's the mildly good outcome for the Lakers, here's the median And here's the best possible scenario. But these other fans are always going to go with the worst possible outcome. And that's what we're getting right now. So, Alan, what are your thoughts on... And Pete kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier. What are your thoughts on on people saying that LeBron James is just waving the white flag and conceding now that he's coming over to the Lakers and he's realized that, you know, time to kick up my feet for the first year. I've signed this four-year deal. Uh, I'm planning to ride into the sunset in Hollywood. What are your thoughts on that? And, and Pete, you mentioned it, but I, I was, I've was i also been kind of, uh, and it's been torturous, but I've been listening to a lot of Cavaliers podcasts, and man, the stuff that was coming out after the uh, Lance Stevenson and Rondo signings were just, man, Magic, you're blowing it. Why are you blowing it for our guy LeBron? This is crazy. He's 34 years old, going to be 35 next year. And can, can, can I jump in real quick, Jonathan? Cavaliers yes, fans go ahead. are
5: unaware of the fact that they are a first they were a first round playoff team last year they were just in the freaking eastern conference they they went to the finals because they were in the east and that's the only damn reason acting like the lakers have put together some preposterous supporting cast you just had a preposterous supporting cast around lebron and he dragged your asses (laughs) all the way to the finals. don't get that twisted with what what's going on out with the lakers lakers already have a better roster than they had around lebron anyway sorry
2: continue You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed at how many people would disagree with you. But, Alan, um, and we'll get back to that, Pete. We'll get back to that. Don't you worry. Alan, your thoughts on people saying LeBron's <laughs> just waving the white flag. Why, out of all these years, all of a sudden, this next year, he's just saying, you know, I've been to the finals the last eight years. It's okay if I just uh, wait things out a bit. So, your thoughts on that and uh, the, the Lakers not having a ready-made superstar for him right now.
4: It's absolutely insane that a guy like LeBron would have that sort of mentality. It, whenever it comes to that point, he's going to retire. You know, Um, that's just absolutely impossible. And you know, say what you will about athletes posting videos of themselves working out and whatnot, but he's also a very calculated guy. So when he's posting his workouts, like the second he gets back from vacation, right after he signs with us, I mean, part of it is just because that's what he does. But I'm sure there's a little part of him that's showing everyone else just how motivated he is and how fired up he is as well magic talked a lot about you know their conversation at lebron's home and what the vision is not just for this year but for the future as well and you know obviously lebron is aware of the fact that we're trying to build something here that has longevity and sustainability so if we were to ship out half the roster for a guy like Kawhi leonard right now i mean what exactly does that do to uh you know the future of this team and the direction and the vision that they have so i'm Alan, sure Le- we'd be
2: getting we'd be getting shit on if we did that and gave up the entire roster then the narrative would oh, be for sure. oh it my doesn't god matter. what it's, are the lakers lose doing lose. they're giving up all their young good guys it's like what
4: exactly it it really does not matter what move the lakers make because everyone is viewing the lakers under a microscope that has a, a lens that is the complete opposite of purple and gold you know whatever that may be so um yeah, I, I definitely scoff <laughs> at the notion that LeBron is just throwing in the towel for the next four years and he doesn't care at all about winning in this roster, Um, that uh he just wants to have fun and chill out in L.A. There is absolutely no way that is the case. And if anyone were to actually look at this situation objectively, it'd be very difficult for them to uh, have a successful argument on that. Hey, this
6: is Brian from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, here to talk about keeps, so there's just no two ways to say it losing hair is awful nobody wants to go through it and two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35 this is the world we live in people now i personally haven't started this you know downturn but i got a couple of people close to my life that go through it and they always say should have started it sooner rather than later so anyways these fda approved products used to cost so much but now thanks to keeps They're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair and you shoot it over and a licensed physician will review the information and recommend the right treatment to you. And then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Uh, Plus now you can get your first month free uh, to, to what? To keep your hair. So come on, what are we talking about here? To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow.
2: I think the contradiction and the hypocrisy of the fact that on the one end, these people can say, man, LeBron James is going to get shit on the moment he loses in the second round and the Lakers fans will turn on him and compare him to Kobe and how he couldn't live up to Kobe Bryant. They'll say that on one end and then in their next sentence after that will be, oh, and he's just going to relax. You don't think LeBron knows that he just came to the most storied franchise in the NBA with the most spotlight on him under the shadow of Magic Johnson, under the shadow of Kobe Bryant, with all of these superstars watching him. If he wants to get into the entertainment industry and entertainment business... He needs to win. Even if you take the perspective that LeBron had non-basketball reasons
3: to come here, which first of all, everybody has non-basketball reasons to make any decision. Nobody's going to put themselves in the worst situation possible just for basketball. But, you know, also on the flip side, nobody's going to put themselves in only, let's say, a favorable business position at the expense of basketball. Because the one thing here, and Shaq talks about this all the time, when he gets interviewed, he came to LA and he thought his life was going to be a huge party and he was going to be the King of LA and he was just going to get rich, you know, immediately. And what he realized was nothing here is promised unless you win. Um, If the Lakers win 40 games this year, that all this hype and like excitement of LeBron James coming here is, is, uh, is going to just die the way you're going to ingratiate yourself to the Lakers fans and to the, And when I say Lakers fans, I'm including, you know, the, the powerful people in LA that LeBron's trying to ingratiate himself to, himself to is by winning. And, and that's just, and to be clear, this is just like, if you take the perspective of this guy really has no other motivations to compete, that, that at least at the baseline, you have that. But it's just ignoring an entire, what 15 year career that this guy has of being one of the, you know greatest competitors in the nba you can say there were times where it, it looked like he was mailing it in you could say that there were times that it looked like maybe he wasn't playing as hard on defense as, as he could have you could say that about most players in the nba and in nba history at various points in their career nothing about lebron's career so far suggests that he's going to come out for an entire season and just be like ah whatever if we make the playoffs that's fine if we don't like I'm cool otherwise, you know, so mm-hmm. I just think it's, it's, it's kind of a ridiculous, it's a kind of ridiculous position to take, but uh, people are just grasping at straws at this point.
2: People are salty and people are hurt. So Pete, this is almost going to, this is probably going to be a rhetorical question, but... Do you take exception to the fact that the main way other fan bases are releasing some of their saltiness is by discrediting and minimizing anything and everything the front office did to get to this point saying LeBron James decision was, you know, merely a lifestyle play and basketball factored very little into things. They say things like Lakers didn't get LeBron, LeBron chose them. And to that, I'd say this is true in every situation that LeBron James has chosen to make, including going to Miami the first time, going back to Cleveland the second time, choosing the Lakers. In what scenario does a team actually choose LeBron? LeBron chooses the team no matter what context. So, yeah, Pete, what are your thoughts on, you know, people trying to discredit the Lakers as an entire team and organization and, and just this notion that, yeah, for, for LeBron James, it's mutually exclusive, Pete. He he can only come to L.A. to become a superstar and and be in movies and stuff. And and basketball, well, why
5: doesn't shit like this happen to the Clippers? Right, like if it's all about <laughs> L.A., point. if it's all about the beaches and the beautiful women and all that crap, and the you know making movies and all that stuff, how come this shit doesn't happen to the Clippers? When was the last time it happened to the Knicks? Carmelo in two thousand and ten is that that's like their crown jewel of free agent signing in in their history? You know the Lakers have built. It, it, it went back to Jack can't cook, but it really started with Jerry Bus. The Lakers have built a very powerful brand over a very long time that five down years certainly weren't going to eliminate. That's why we're as crazy and as numerous as we are on Twitter. Like Lakers Twitter is way more omnipresent than, than Nick's Twitter, right? There's more people in the city of New York. Like they're supposed to be the bigger mm-hmm. fan base. Right. And that's not a shot at Nick's Twitter. I actually like, Knicks fans, as a as a general rule, is just that like it discred it discredits, and and I, I don't even know if it discredits because I don't even think they realize what has been built here over. 35 plus years to get to the point where like people are like well of course he chooses the lakers because of this this and that like you can't argue that like for years like haha lakers exceptionalism is dead because dwight howard or Carm- carmelo anthony or KD doesn't take a meeting and all that when you're winning 20 games or whatever and then be like oh it's just lakers exceptionalism when lebron james signs you know so yeah they can marinate in their salt all they want like lakers lakers built this over a long time and they've earned it they can do it too <laughs>
2: And I would say even in recent years as well, as recently as Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka had taken up the leadership roles in the front office and having to make tough decisions with trading away D'Angelo Russell, getting rid of Timofey Mozgov, and then making the savvy draft day moves that they did as well. So all of those take into account should be taken into account and factored as well. But Pete, I want to ask you, how do we resolve the tension of admitting that, yeah, in a sense, if we're being realistic, this year isn't it? with regards to LeBron winning a championship. And while it's not a waste in the grand scheme of things, especially when it comes to the young guy's development, it may be considered, I don't know, a a little waste to LeBron's legacy to have a stopgap developmental year when every year since he was like 22, he's been chasing, he's been having a chasing the championship type year. Or for you, is it as simple as, hey, LeBron James has bought into the plan and realizes the true path to a championship and the path to more than just one championship is long-term sustainability and he's willing to be patient, trust the process, and allow the front office to kind of till the soil this year. And if he's buying into it, then we're going to buy it too, and just ignore all the noise about us wasting his 16th season in the NBA.
5: In terms of like legacy, to me, is this worse than Michael Jordan taking quite literally a year and a half off to play baseball? Could you imagine him like LeBron James like being like, "Oh, I'm going to go play tight end for the Chargers for like a year"? <laughs> you know, and what what a story that would be, <laughs> right? Like. He's like, there's nobody else in NBA history that's being held to that standard of you have to make the NBA finals every single year, or you're a colossal disappointment, or you're a waste of a season. This, this, and that. Like the fact that he's gone to what, eight straight now is is absurd and that should be that should be celebrated and if he doesn't any prop very probably won't you know to me it's him signing especially the the three plus one type of deal is like the biggest vote of confidence he could possibly give for building something that's long-term and sustainable because while lebron is still the best player in the game and still incredible capable of incredible things he will start to decline i think it's very reasonable to think he's going to be still a top 10 player in the NBA by the time his contract is up. But as he... Goes from being the best in the NBA to one of the best players in the NBA. That's when the younger guys are going to be getting older, or maybe they've traded a couple of those guys for a third star after they sign somebody next summer. That second guy, maybe in their late 20s, will be able to hold down the fort. So it's kind of like you got this elevator slowly going down on one end, while another elevator on the other end of the spectrum is going up, as Lonzo and Ingram and guys like that go into their prime. To me, that's both sustainable for. LeBron's ability to make championship runs from a long-term perspective, and it shows his level of trust in what the front office is capable of doing to actually deliver that.
2: And I think that's why most fans are salty, because this is something that LeBron James has never done with regards to when he's jumped to another team. He's never afforded that organization those extra years to really build out something solidified and intentional and deliberate with the the freedom and flexibility to really think this out in, in, in the right manner and in the right way. And I think that's what's causing, like, this is a paradigm shift for as far as LeBron James is concerned, but if we're just talking objectively speaking— Wouldn't any fan base love for this to happen to them? Where if they get a superstar like LeBron James and they also have these young assets who we don't know what they'll become, but just like what happened to the Boston Celtics and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they held off on trading those guys and lo and behold oh they make the playoffs and they can contribute immediately oh well now we got something going on when Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward come back you know I hear Heat fans I hear Cavs fans complaining about how if LeBron had only afforded them the leeway and time and assurance to build out a more balanced team without shipping assets off immediately or always going for the older veteran win now guy year by year that they'd be in a much better position and have more flexibility than they do now to improve their teams. Well, guess what? That's exactly what the Lakers are doing right now. Why? Because LeBron afforded them 3 plus 1 years to adequately build this out and trust the process in a sense with our young guys for at least half a year to a year. So it makes no sense now that these teams are giving us flack for doing something that they would probably have wished their organization could do if LeBron had just given them more than a year-by-year lease guarantee. To me, this move is clearly less about what this roster and team is now, but what it can become in the future. And obviously this is unlikely, but we've seen lightning... In a bottle with regards to what can happen in the progression of an NBA season as Tommy and I have talked about this and I know Tommy's talked about this with Alan but this season reminds me of the Kobe and Bynum year of two thousand seven eight, 8 right before we got Pau Gasol many fans were saying hey you should have traded Bynum for Jason Kidd just like many fans are saying why didn't you just trade all of the young core for Kawhi Leonard and go all in. But no, they stuck it out. They at least waited things out for the first half of the year. And the Lakers ended up third in the West by the time December hit. And then Bynum went down. But the Lakers then pivoted and made a championship-shifting deal by getting Pau Gasol. And am I saying that's exactly going to happen here? No, but it could happen, you know? And you get You have to take these things into account. The fact that this Lakers roster is not fixed and these one-year deals actually allow the front office flexibility to do a number of things come December. Alan, what are your thoughts on, I guess, that aspect of things, like people looking at this roster as if it's a fixed situation for the Lakers. And and yeah, like we're wasting LeBron's prime. And do you have anything to say about this season kind of mirroring the 2007-8 season in a sense?
4: I mean, you said it. All these one-year deals allow us for maximum flexibility. Earlier I said we don't know how long these guys are going to be around, that doesn't just mean beyond year one. They could easily package, you know, some of them this season, depending on how things are going. So we just kinda of have to see how the whole thing develops. But um I-, I could definitely see some parallels um in terms of doing unexpectedly well or exceeding expectations and that sort of thing, for sure.
2: Tommy, do you have anything to add on just you know how this season can pan out and whether or not LeBron James, as competitive a human being as he is, he has a lot of self worth. He views himself very highly. Would it? Would you put it past him to be like, "I don't care what anybody's saying. I'm gonna drag this team to the freaking finals in the in the Western Conference and still ma- manage to find a way to win." Or do you think he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna wait this out patiently by midseason. We'll see where we're at," and kind of taking this very measured approach?
3: I think LeBron now is is not the same guy as LeBron in. Um... 2010, which I believe was, was 2010 the decision? Yeah, 2010. Yeah. He's he's just not the same guy. I think LeBron now honestly thinks, and I think rightfully so, that he could pretty much go to any team in the NBA and make them a legitimate contender. And I think he views this Lakers team no different than any other team. You know what I mean? And, and we just happen to have some pieces that, you know... I think surprised a lot of people, although we only won 35 games. I think that was like more than probably what a, what a lot of people thought we were going to win last year. And now you add LeBron to that, you add veteran depth to that. I think he's looking at this roster not necessarily thinking, Oh, this is for sure a warrior beater or, Oh, this is for sure a rockets beater. But I think he thinks, I think he's going into the season thinking this team is going to be pretty good. And if they're not that good, I'm going to drag, like you said, I'm going to drag them as far as I can. And, I fully expect him to leave everything out on the court. And I think it's, you know, given the career he's had, it's frankly, it's like disrespectful to not think that that he's going to leave everything out there on the court.
2: Sure. Pete, you know, I, I view this as probably the most interesting season LeBron James has ever had, both for the obvious reasons and the unobvious reasons. You know, if you had asked me a couple years ago whether I would have wanted LeBron James on the Lakers back when he was with the Heat, I would have said no, just because to me, it always felt kind of cheap to bring him on because I knew that he would completely overhaul the roster, bring in his superstar buddies, and the entire DNA of our, of our roster would be completely flipped. And we'd have, we wouldn't have any identification to any of the guys that LeBron James would bring in. And I felt like it would be a cheat code, et cetera, et cetera. This mercenary coming in and just, yeah, doing things his own way. But somehow, in this entire process, LeBron James has come in, signed for four years, three plus one, and if you could ever have an organic Lakers team with LeBron James on it, this is it. Look, we lost Julius Randle in the process, but the fact that at least for the first half of this season, we can have our cake and eat it too, with regards to at least still seeing some of the young guys that we've grown accustomed to, while just adding LeBron James on top of that and some ancillary veteran pieces, I think it's the most... In terms of narrative, one of the most unique seasons LeBron James has ever had and one of the most unique seasons the Lakers have ever had. Are you excited about that? Do you sense the intrigue in that at all?
5: Yeah, I- I'm excited about this team on a number of different levels. And-, and part of like what I was saying earlier about them signing these guys that come with these additional narratives, who aren't bad guys, they just come with stories, I suppose, is that it obscures some really interesting storylines from strictly a basketball perspective, Uh, like the piece that I'm writing for The Athletic about uh, the late the there's never been a team that had three of the top 10 assist guys on it before this coming Lakers team, Rondo Lonzo and LeBron. That's that's super interesting. We've seen all of these instances throughout NBA history where you've got like, how do these scores fit together? How does LeBron and Dwayne Wade fit together was a thing in 2010. Uh, We've never really seen that with this many like ball mover passer types. I'm really intrigued to see how that works out. I'm really intrigued to see like LeBron is aside from the, the one year guys. And I think part of the one year guys value is this LeBron is what a dozen years older than most of the important guys on this team. Like the long-term pieces, he is 12 years. So like, imagine that from just a work perspective, like it's like you, and then you're working with people who are like 12 years older than you or, or 12 years younger than you. That's that dynamic is really interesting to me, how he transitions to being more of an off ball player. He's probably going to play a lot of five this year. He's played it in little bit of stretches here and there. But yeah, there are great storylines about this from top to bottom and the idea that, all we had, and that's not to say that I, I, I'm i not trying to minimize Julius in, in his departure. I, I wanted to have him back, and I'm sad that he's gone. But the fact that it wasn't like I always assumed LeBron wasn't coming alone, but LeBron totally came alone. Like, I can't believe it, you know? And yep. that fact. And then now, that being said, I do view this year, and I'm curious if you guys do as well. I view this as kind of a tryout year for everybody. Like, I think certain <laughs> guys are going to fit with LeBron. I have concerns about other guys. And it, and really with everybody, it's kind of a mix of the two in some areas. Yes. Some areas. No, but I don't know. And we're going to see that on the court. And, you know, we even heard, saw in Eric Pincus's article of the quoted Lakers executive being like, the roster might look different in February, not just next summer, but by, by the trade deadline. Right. So I think they're going to have a couple of months, this, this first half of the year, like you were saying, Jonathan about to be able to determine who fits and who doesn't. But, even with kind of having Ara andated too, I always go back to the teams that I grew up with that that I fell in love with with Van Exel, Eddie Jones Sabalos, those guys by the time it came to win championships, none of them were around, and so yep it, like is that gonna be the case here? Will a couple of the guys be here? A couple of guys get traded for who- who knows, but starting from LeBron and a good young core that helped you win thirty five games last year, that's a hell of a start,
2: yeah, I agree, and I think like I mentioned earlier with the 2007-8 season, unintentionally so, it was a tryout year for Bynum, and he proved to be something of worth and value. And by December, Kobe Bryant was saying, I think during the game that he went down, he was like, with Andrew Bynum, we are championship team. And I was like, what? You just said ship this guy's ass off for Jason Kidd like a few months ago. So who knows if that's what happens. And I'm sure what's transpired with All of these young guys rising up in the playoffs this past year, I'm sure that has some sort of effect for LeBron James, seeing like, oh, look at what happened with Boston, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, even the Raptors with OG Ananobi, the Sixers with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid proving right off the bat, you get these guys on the court. You never know what to expect. We will see with these Lakers players who is for real and who's not. And by the trade deadline... We could have an entirely different team, but I'm excited at the prospect of these guys really popping under LeBron James' leadership and guidance. So, Alan, what are your thoughts on just having this trial-out season for the young guys? And and just narratively speaking, and we're in Hollywood, cinematically speaking, how cool is this storyline? Obviously, it kind of sounds like I'm moving the goalpost from, like, we were just... Talking about Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and LeBron James, and now you're going to see her excited about LeBron James and Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma. And in a weird way, yes, I'm still excited because it makes LeBron James somehow an even more commendable and rootable figure. And somehow we are the underdogs with LeBron James. And what an amazing story that is. It's very cinematic.
4: Well, how many times did we say, regardless of which big free agent we get this year, maybe we get none? We all said we'd be perfectly happy coming back with the exact same squad because this 35 win team was more fun to watch than, you know, however many years. So as far as that goes, yeah, obviously, um, we're all excited, but, um, yeah, the, the angle of LeBron being an underdog is incredibly interesting just because he's been viewed and I I suppose he's still viewed as a villain because so many people hate the Lakers, but he was viewed as a villain with Miami because, you know, he joined forces with all the other guys and that sort of thing. Um, and then he left Cleveland, but now, um, it's like a totally different way of of viewing things. So in terms of like this year being sort of a trial period and audition for guys, we've also been seeing that with, Julius, to an extent, with Jordan Clarkson, with Larry Nance, with D'Angelo, all the original, the OG young core, right, if you want to call them that, every single guy who played with Kobe is gone, and there are so many moments where we were high on every single one of them, right, like, we were incredibly high on Jordan Clarkson his rookie year when he made all-team rookie NBA, so, um, as far as whether we're going to see that with this, uh, next, if you would want to even call it next generation of young, young core players, even though they're basically the same generation, um, I could definitely see that happening. And while in all of our minds, we can envision <clears throat> every single one of them meshing extremely well, uh, with LeBron, we, we don't know how things are going to pan out at all. So, I'll just, you know, brace myself emotionally (laughs) (laughs) and if things don't go, uh, the way we'd hope for every single one of our guys, then, uh, no matter what we'll, we'll be upset, you know, um, just like we've been in the past with pretty much every single one of our guys being gone. But, uh, yeah, well, it's just going to be a lot of fun for sure.
2: Hey, Pete, wouldn't you agree that even with regards to where the Lakers are at, we're an unprecedented turf just because the last five seasons, how long have we been missed the playoffs? Like five seasons, right? So even when you were talking about Van Axel, Eddie Jones, this guy, that guy who had potential, I feel like because of how, how much we've been losing and how many assets we've been racking up, it's almost like Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell, and Julius Randle represented the Eddie Jones, Nick Van Axel washing away of things. And even after that, whoa, we still got four or five lotto-type prospects? And LeBron James has never played with this many lotto-type prospects. He's had young players before, but not to this extent. And for the Lakers ourselves, well, we've never had a situation where it's one superstar, the best player in the game, surrounded by multiple lotto prospects. We've had young guys before with older dudes, but never to this caliber. So in that respect, you even sense that like, oh, we are in uncharted territory here.
5: Oh, well i mean missing five consecutive playoffs is quite literally <laughs> yes. uncharted territory for for lakers fans and then the yeah like the way it comes together wh- what i hope that and and this will be hard for laker fans cuz they got we got lebron is to, that we don't like forget to take the joy out of this this season and say say the lakers win you know 50 games and lose in the second round are we going to be like losing our minds because we lost in the second round, or are we going to be able to appreciate it for being a fun season? And like to me, that's important. As is, and that's why, like the whole like, do you trade for Kawhi or not? And then all of the fan, you know fans of other teams being salty about that. Like, if there was some move the Lakers could have made to where they're like, yeah, they're right there with Golden State. They're like if things break right, this is a title team. Like I would have advocated for that move. It's not there. They won thirty five games last year. They got the best player in the world. Like to me, that sort of pressure starts next season. But it's important to me, just as a fan, to actually enjoy the hell out of this season and enjoy watching the greats of all time and how blessed we've been. Depending on how old you are, you are, you've watched you know two to five of the best players in NBA history, if not more, as a Laker fan, and to be able to kind of continue that that legacy is that means a lot to me and to be able to not just as it's covering the team as I do, but a, as a fan to be able to be like, wow, this matters. And, and as covering the team, like, I'm like, Holy shit, I get to interview LeBron James. Like I get to mm-hmm. be in practice with my little, my phone, the recording app on my phone and be like, so LeBron, <laughs> right. And, and him hopefully not act like I'm an idiot, you know? And, and uh, so to me, like, it's important to just bring, with this being an unprecedented type of year, to actually take the joy from it and appreciate it as it is.
2: No, absolutely. I agree. Tommy, do you have anything to add with regards to this very unique and interesting Lakers season with one LeBron James?
3: It's going to be lit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Enough said. It's going to be lit. Okay, um, so let's close this out with, and not to take a, a dark turn here, but... The, I think the Lakers structured all of these signings with a lot of intentionality behind them. And we've talked about the flexibility, but let's talk about midseason trade. Let's say the worst possible outcome happens and these guys are not shaken outright, but they do still have trade value. They're on these cheap long-term deals that teams can still control. Um, what sort of trades do you expect to pop? Up? Well, obviously, we can't theorize too much, this much out. But I don't know if you have any trade targets in mind by midseason that if the Lakers' young guys don't pan out, they could potentially trade for another disgruntled superstar. Obviously, we have Kawhi Leonard penciled and circled in, but are there any other guys that you're targeting? Because Rajon Rondo, $9 million. Lance Stevenson, $4 million. Michael Beasley, $4 million. JaVale McGee, $2 million. You know, you put that all together, that's $19 million outgoing. And the Lakers can really use that as salary ballast. And if you only want to give up a Kyle Kuzma, you just add Kyle Kuzma's salary on top of that and you can make a matching offer to a superstar who's making around like $23 million. So given that, what sort of disgruntled superstars do you foresee potentially becoming available or... Or do you think the Lakers would strike midseason? season
5: I, I, So I, I don't think they would. However, if there is going to be a guy outside of Kawhi, and I don't think Toronto's looking to move Kawhi unless it goes horribly wrong. I think part of, I love what Toronto did from their perspective in that even if it's just one year of Kawhi, they probably have a better shot at the finals or a title if everything breaks, right? With one year of Kawhi and Lowry and everything else they have versus two or three years of DeRozan and Lowry, right? So, uh Anyhow, mm-hmm. I, I don't think they move Kawhi. To me, the second guy to look out for is Jimmy Butler. Um, I, I don't mm-hmm. think like I, I don't think the Lakers make a move for a second star type of guy at the trade deadline. But if it was going to be someone, I think it would be him with Damian Lillard being kind of a distant third on that, or a distant second, because I don't think Kawhi will be available. Butler and God help me for trying to contextualize something as a guest appearance. Last time I I spread rumors on a, on a guest appearance on a podcast, I ended up being called an idiot on ESPN. So uh, with the four horsemen of the the apocalypse and all that, right? Four sourcemen Uh, of the the four sourcemen, four sourcemen (laughs) of the apocalypse. How could I forget Uh, from the the scuttlebutt around the NBA is that Jimmy Butler and doesn't get along with Wiggins and Carl Anthony towns. I know I'm not breaking that story or anything like that, but and it makes sense to some degree where, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and, and Andrew Wiggins are kind of these, you know, they middle upper middle class kids kind of grew up with a lot. And if you know Jimmy Butler's backstory, like that dude went through some things, you know, and my underst- the, the rumor is that he thinks they're kind of spoiled brats and he loves Thibodeau. And Thibodeau loves him. But if things go sideways in Minnesota, which they're like, those type of things are percolating. You've got Butler about to hit free agency in 2019. If things go really sideways to me, he's that second guy that could be available. But I'd put that at like 5% chance of happening, which is to say, I don't think anything happens, you know, with the except maybe they try and make a small move for a playoff run. Maybe they go after like a Dwayne Dedman to get a, you know, a a five to, you know, that's a little bit better than, than Zubats as a backup five. To me, that's more, a more likely deal than a second guy, but Butler, if, if
2: that's going to happen, it's, it's Jimmy Butler. Tommy going along with the through line we've been talking about in terms of, okay, if this season follows the 2007, eight Kobe Bynum, Pau Gasol season, what is our Pau Gasol trade mid season? obviously, Contexts are very different here because the Lakers didn't have as many lotto prospects. And I'm assuming, barring any sort of injury like the one that Bynum had, if the Lakers are like second in the West, I don't think they necessarily at that point even give up any assets because, hey, let's just ride it out with this young group and four months from now, we don't have to give up anybody and just gain a superstar. But do you think any sort of midseason trade could happen and do you have any targets in mind? I
3: actually don't think. It's obviously... Always easier to predict that no nothing's going to happen um, because typically nothing does happen. But so I think nothing is going to happen in terms of trades, in terms of big trades, I should say. I think there are going to be probably some smaller trades, or depending on how things turn out, you know, like maybe we are trying to get some depth, trade some guys who we just don't have room for on the roster for guys that fill positions of need. Um, if they do make a big move, one guy, I think I could see because Pete stole Jimmy Butler which was the one that I was going to say but <laughs> one guy I think I might be might see is Damian Lillard. I think Portland is paying a lot of money for that roster and we will know by the trade deadline whether Lonzo Ball is the guy who we think we got when we drafted. We'll know we'll know better I should say if he if he's the guy who think we think we got when we drafted or if he's really just the guy we took, you know, the guy who we saw last year. And if I'm Portland and, you know, you're halfway through the season and, excuse me, you're paying $130 million for this team that's the ninth seed in the West, maybe that team starts to think about blowing it up. And if they do, they're going to be looking for young pieces and we have a pretty intriguing young point guard prospect. So that's like maybe one move I could see, but overall, I don't really think we'll do anything big.
2: Yeah, I agree. One prospect that I have circled in my mind is uh, Bradley Beal from the Washington Wizards, because this past season, there's been a lot of scuffle between Bradley Beal and John Wall, and they just had a Dwight Howard, who had that very corny, poetic line in his press conference today about I went to La La Land. I was stung by a hornet, and that's why I've learned to become a wizard. Whatever you know, and Dwight, <laughs> Dwight Howard in that locker room should be very, very interesting. And if if it becomes a very combustible sort of team, I could see Bradley Beal saying, "Hey, get me out of here." And at that point, if the Lakers are really trying to go for it this year, maybe a Cal Kuzma for Bradley Beal swap is in in the talks and in negotiations. But I don't think the Lakers would actually give up more than one core guy if that even if we're talking about josh hart so yeah keep a lookout i think mid-season the trades that will happen will be ancillary maybe we do trade our 2019 pick and offload dang by mid-season that's probably more likely than anything we're talking about here obviously something to monitor as the lakers progress to close this show though and i'm going to bring in charles barkley here charles what do you think of the lakers chances in the playoffs this year with lebron james
5: Man, you talking
4: about the Lakers. You're talking about playoffs. You think they're going to win 50 games? I don't think they're going to win 50 games. They're probably going to win about 4 to 5. That's how old LeBron James is. He's about 4 to 5, right? I could give you <laughs> I could give you 4 to 5 reasons why they only going to win 4 to 5 games. Bunch of knuckleheads. You stupid Lakers fans. I was supposed to be a Laker if y'all didn't know that. That's why I hate them so much now, obviously. But, uh, you know, Lakers, they make the playoffs. Uh, you know, I pencil them in the A-seed. The A-seed, and they probably get swept by going State.
2: Cool. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, Charles Barkley. Pete, your thoughts on Charles Barkley? 50.
5: 50 games.
2: Man, I can't even count a 50. I can't even <laughs> count. A, I told you, I count to 4 to 5. <laughs> With that said, Pete, thank you once again for joining us. It was a lot of fun. And what what a time to be alive. What a time to be a Lakers fan. Pete, one more time for the fans. Say it. Witness the litness. Witness the litness. Oh, hashtag witness the litness. Someone make a shirt. We'll make the shirt. Don't worry. You can buy it off Almighty Baller or whatever for $20. Pete gets one for free, though. Pete gets one for free, for sure. He's going to be rocking that at every press conference.
5: <laughs> oh, I have stories. They they loved my purple shirts. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> oh, I, I've heard about that. I've heard about that. But yeah, Pete, once again, thank you for joining us. You're a very, very busy man. So we are very grateful and appreciative of you taking the time to hop on. Hey, shout out to Jeannie. She is very sweet and very kind. and uh, She's texting me right now. She's like, did they kidnap you? I'm like, no, we're <laughs> wrapping up right now. <laughs> no. Hey, Pete, it's the year of Jeannie for you in, in more ways than one, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Jeannie's have been very good good to me. Yes. Pete, to close it out, once again, let us know what, you're, what you have coming down the pipeline at The Athletic and, and anything like that.
5: Oh, man, I, I got that piece I was talking about with the three playmakers doing two videos a week for Silver Screen and Roll, uh, getting out about, about one one video per week, got my own pod going on twice a week on locked on Lakers. Uh, yeah. Got a, Got a bunch of, to me, this is a year like, like you, you were talking about Jonathan, this is a special year. And as, as tired as I am, I mean, I get to cover the Lakers, right? So like it's a labor of love and this is the year to like really capitalize on all of the cool things that are happening. So y'all know where to find me Laker film room on Twitter on, on YouTube and all that.
2: All right, Pete, thank you. We will let you go. Everybody. It's lit. Peace out. Good shit guys.
1: Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes doesn't make sense but you're the parent and they're the kids you're going to start telling them that now too good news is it's easy to bundle home and auto through progressive and save on your car insurance and there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and other insurers discount not available in all stages situations this is what flow from progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials
0: hi did you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com. And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi,
1: you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's
0: no more
1: cake. <laughs> yeah, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states.